This is Alan Cole, and you're listening to Artistry. Welcome to another episode of Artistry, where art meets industry. We are your hosts, Rochelle Etienne Robinson and Stan Substantial Robinson. All right, and welcome back to another episode of Artistry. Today's guest is a self-professed hacker and <laughs> an artist, beat maker, and an entrepreneur. Please welcome Alan Cole. Alan, thank you so much for being Please here. Welcome. How's it going? AKA yeah. algorithm, which we'll get into more later. But oh yes, oh yes. <laughs> thank you so much for being here. Um, Alan currently works at Automatic Inc a global distributed company which was founded in 2005 and is most notable for WordPress.com. Tell us how that all came to be, working with mm. WordPress. Yeah, so uh, WordPress is actually my first full-time job I ever had in my life. I started working here about four years ago, and um, it actually was the only company that I ever saw myself working for. Um, before that, I was running, uh, you know, a couple of my own businesses, uh, which we'll get into a, bit, a little bit later. But what made this company uh, interesting was just uh, a number of different things. The first was just like a work-life balance that they promote here, where they, uh, like you mentioned, it's a distributed company, which means that everybody who works here basically works from home, wherever they live at in the world. So I have right. coworkers who are living Warsaw, Australia, South Africa, wow. you know, New York, wherever. And um, it's just a, a type of thing where we all just kind of collaborate and figure out, you know, the time zone stuff so we can work on the same products together. And um, that was just super interesting to me just because, as I mentioned before, uh, I was working for myself and was running a business, which was mostly working from home. And so I like that style of work. Right. Another thing that was interesting was that they, uh, you know, uh, you know, it's quite a bit of travel uh, related to this work. Obviously, we're based all over the world. And mm -hmm. when you're working remotely, sometimes, you know, it's not as uh, sometimes it's just better to just be in the same space. And right. so we are constantly, you know, or at least before all of this, you know, COVID stuff uh, was, uh, was going on. Um, we would constantly, you know, at least two to three times out of the year go on a trip. Um, so I've been everywhere from uh, Warsaw to Arizona. Um, where else have we gone? Uh, uh, Bunch of different countries in Europe. Uh, it's just it, every Hawaii once was really cool. Um, and so uh, that aspect of it was a thing that I was hard for me to do when I was working for myself. And so right. um, that was a piece. And then the last piece is just that uh, I've been using WordPress. All of my businesses have been based on WordPress since about like 2006. And so mm. um, uh, just having like a deep understanding of you know how to use WordPress and, and uh, do really interesting and cool things with it just made this a really company to work for because it's the company that basically powers uh, WordPress. Um, WordPress.com is like our uh, kind of like our uh, main thing that you would end up going to. There's also a WordPress.org website that we use, which is like where the open source version of the software exists, right. um, where pretty much anybody can go there, download it and, and start learning and using WordPress. Um, with, uh, you know, with the direct code. Um, WordPress.com is more of like a, a thing for, you know, if you, you know, don't really want to get into the code, but you just need a site really quickly, yeah. uh, you can go to WordPress.com and get that done. And so, yeah, that's what led me to it. Wow. Dope, so you've man. been, you're a veteran with this whole Zoom and and and, and working from home and right. distance learning and all that. So, you know, yes, <laughs> yes. This, this whole process wasn't foreign to you when, when it all came to be you were pandemic proof before we got here <laughs> yeah, <I mean. laughs> yeah and it's actually i will say though that it has still changed things for me like the sure. one thing about working from home as i'm sure we're all kind of getting used to now is that it sucks when you can't go outside right. <laughs> you know and like right. and when i was even when i was working for myself or uh, and as you know working for, for wordpress um i would always make time to like change my environment so i would spend half my day usually the morning side of it you know working from home and then i would hop on the bike or take a jog um, take the laptop with me and then work out of a coffee shop or a co-working space right. um, just to kind of switch things up because it is, you know, it can get the four walls start to close in on you when you stay yeah. in there too long, right. you know, Absolutely. and so it was nice to be able to balance that out. But now I don't have that as much, you know, and right. so it's just literally just being in all the time. And so it's uh, it's been, it's somewhat comfortable, but on some, some at least on that aspect, it's just a little, uh, it's still a little uncomfortable in that regard. Sure. So, yeah. Wow. 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 You know, I want to get into a little bit into um, until uh, into the foundation. So, mm -hmm. what would you say is your earliest experience with art? Oh man, I wish I could remember it. It's been built into my blood for so long. Right. <laughs> I can't right. even like I literally don't know when I started 
creating art. My mom says she thinks it was around like four or five where I either saw her or my cousin uh, just like drawing stuff. And immediately I took an interest to it um, uh, from a very young age. And just it just was just a thing where I just like this feels right. And I remember in even that young feeling that way about it. I just don't know how young I was when I was feeling that way. Um, but uh, yeah, it started, yeah, I want to say like around like four or five. Um, and it was just like, you know, drawing Ninja Turtles, Batman, and, right. you know, kind of not paying attention in class. Even in, I'm thinking like, I remember in first grade, I had a parent-teacher conference <laughs> uh, where they brought, you know, my parents in. It was just like, man, Alan's really smart, but he just never pays attention in class. He's just always drawing and not paying attention to anything. Right. And like, <laughs> it was just a thing that just called me from a very, very young age. And um, it's, it's kept with, it's, it's, or it stayed with me, you know, all throughout my life. And it's changed forms like I could mention uh, you know it shows itself in music you know mm-hmm. drawing painting uh, code um, all right. different types of things um, <clears throat> excuse me but at the core of it is just like this 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 uh, feeling of like creation this thing of like taking you know a piece of paper putting something on it and turning it into something that wasn't there before you know right. um, and that I think is just been a foundational uh, you know call for me where it's just that's where um, my, you know, my motivation and my inspiration comes from, it's just that, that simple thing of like turning something out of nothing, you know? Yeah. Shout out to your parents for, for recognizing your gifts too. And, um, you know, and later, uh, putting you in the position to attend Suitland high school, uh, mm-hmm. you know, um, so we've talked about it on the show before because, you know, I'm a graduate of Suitland high school as well. Uh, mm-hmm. but for those who don't know, quick reminder, Suitland high school, um, has a program, uh, the VPA program is what it was called while we were there. Um, it's now called the uh, the CVPA program, the Center of Visual and Performing Arts. And so um, mm. Alan was a, uh, a graduate from Suitland High School as well. So can you tell mm-hmm. us like how how important was that experience to your your artistic journey? Oh man, it was it was vital. Like I wouldn't be nowhere where I'm at now if it wasn't for that. And it's even even like how I ended up there was a was a journey. Like like I mentioned in <clears throat> elementary school, my parents noticed that I took a liking to this. They're not artists. They didn't really like my mom would just kind of doodle on the phone, mm-hmm. but they didn't really know anything about that world. And after elementary school, I made my way to uh, Thomas Pullen, mm-hmm. um, which was a, was, was a middle school that had a similar kind of like, yeah. you know, focused program for artists and other folks who had uh, really shown some promise in various areas. Um, and at that time, they would, you know, bust kids from different parts of the county mm-hmm. to, you know, the schools that had the programs that would help them to uh, to grow in, in certain areas. And so that got me to, to, to pull in. And then the same thing happened uh, when it came to schooling. My parents didn't know about that school, mm-hmm. <laughs> but after being in that program at, uh, at, at Thomas Pullen, they were just like, hey, this program over here is, you know, would be a good place for Alan because of the, you know, the, the visual, the VPA program that they had there. Right. And once I got there, um, it was just awesome to have like this whole separate building that was just filled with people who thought like I did, you know, yeah. who weren't just like, you know, uh, you know, doing the normal kind of keeping up with the Joneses stuff. It was just right. like this other thing that, you know, other kids had that I didn't know, you know, for yeah. me, for most of us, especially in elementary school and even some in middle school, there was very much like kind of being like a, an oddball <laughs> feeling almost where mm-hmm. there was this thing that I, I, I noticed and had, but there just wasn't as many people around that, you know, saw the same thing, you know? And so right. once I got into Suitland, that's what it became about. And I met, you know, tons of friends that, you know, I still have now um, that, you know, have been on similar journeys and paths that were all kind of, you know, started there at that school and that program. Um, it, it showed me, you know, uh, really got into painting there before that, you know, it was really just like, you know, paper and pencil and right. a few little things we would do it at, uh, you know, at Pullen. Uh, but that was really where, you know, teachers started to push and, and to see yeah. how far I could go, um, which just made things more and more fun. I got to try out different types of art from photography, sculpture, mm-hmm. um, all different types of, you know, uh, you know, ways of creating and uh, just, you know, led me to, you know, just become better at my craft and, you know, which ultimately got me to um, college in New York. I went to uh, Cooper Union, yeah. um, which is a uh, engineering and arts uh, school in New York. Um, got there on a, a you know full scholarship, um, and the great thing about that is that that one school uh, doesn't um, charge tuition to anybody that goes there, right. um, which means that when I graduated, I didn't have to pay nobody back, right. <laughs> which was a great 
you know, just a, just a, such a foundational thing for me like that. Just not having to, you know, start off life with like with thousands shackles. of dollars of debt. It's just <laughs> such a blessing. Like, and, I, and at the time I didn't know it. Like when I was at Suleiman, I was trying to go to Temple where, you know, maybe some schools that had parties and, and yeah. football teams just so I could have a, you know, a little bit more of a normal experience. But in, in hindsight, like that decision to go to Cooper was definitely the right one. And it's, it's helped me to continue to just get better and better to explore more to try things different things out mm-hmm. whereas if i had to pay somebody back i'd just be worried about how to get those bill paid before i even right. get a chance to see what the thing is that i want to do right. in the yeah. world you know and like that that uh is what you know kind of gave me that that space you know yeah. i don't have many regrets um when i look back at things but i and you know especially looking at how things turned out for me but um, a lot of teachers while I was at Suitland encouraged me to apply for uh, uh, for Cooper as well. Mm. And every time I pay my student loan, bruh, you know, I was like, <laughs> I should have tried. Yeah, I should have tried. You know what I'm <laughs> but, you know, I look over at this uh, lovely lady across from me, and I'm like, I worked out. You know what I'm saying? It worked out. You know, you know what I'm saying? We can be broke sure. together. We can be broke together, baby. You know, you know we all on our different paths. But yeah, it's just absolutely. Definitely, definitely that way. But it's just, the universe. I know, like, when I was at Suitland, like, that was the one where they were, like, you know, just based off of the thing that, um, they noticed there, which was just at the time, it was mostly like fine art, like, you know, drawing yeah. portraits, you know, still lives, sure. things like that. They were just like, that's the school where you should be. That's the one that's going to make you be the best, you know, uh, mm-hmm. what you seem to be good at already. And so they, they if it wasn't for, I think it was uh, the teacher's name, it was, uh, I think, Mr. Surratt and Mr. Burroughs, yeah, uh, Mr. Who and Burroughs just yeah. kind of pushed that on me. Or just mm-hmm. like, man, I don't know. I still that tip. I want to party a little bit. I want to hang out, you know, yeah. I'm like, no. I'm glad, you know, uh, you know, in hindsight, yeah. <laughs> looking back, it's just that decision was was a critical one that uh, I'm just very grateful for, you know. Yeah, shout out to Mr. Burroughs, man. Every time oh, yeah. um, I see that brother, man, he he has nothing but great things to say about you and uh, Naturel. You know what I mean? Sure, so shout sure. out to Mr. Burroughs. First of all, I just want to say that bloggers, vloggers, individual artists, companies, and nonprofit businesses or and organizations owe a huge debt (laughs) to you in helping them create their websites. You are at Automatic, and even while you were freelancing, you are what's called a theme imagineer. A lot of of us who utilize WordPress have been using it to develop our websites. Mm -hmm. And you all have created such a great service by having these themes already developed and it's pretty much copy and paste or in, in importing or uploading certain information. Mm-hmm. Like, had you guys not have done that before that was created, folks had, a, you know, no code or know someone who did code. Mm-hmm. And, Shout out to Dreamweaver. <laughs> Dreamweaver. You know what I mean? Like, it was very difficult yeah. and very costly. And now folks are able to own their domain, able to mm-hmm. develop their website, creating these beautiful themes and that they owe a large debt to you and those who do what you do. And so I want to thank you on behalf of right. the world. You are appreciated, brother. You is smart. No, you is kind. You is important. important. Right. No, it's, it's, it's super interesting. Like, that was the thing that, like, drew me to WordPress in the beginning. Like, I while I was in college, I took a few classes, um, you know, just on how to make websites. Um, and I don't think they really did much with WordPress, but maybe a year or so after, um, I just kind of stumbled on it. Um, while I was in college, I was making websites um, just to kind of keep bills paid and, you know, mm-hmm. to eat and stuff. Uh, and I was just doing it in this very kind of like uh, what they used to call back in those days, uh, like in a webmaster type of way where right. anytime any change needed to happen, somebody had to call or email me to yeah. make it happen. Oh, and at first days. it was cool. It was like, okay, cool. I can make a little bit of money off of doing that, um, you know, over and over again. But then it starts to become overwhelming where it's yeah. too many people coming uh, all at the same time needing, you know, they might need just one word changed on the site. And because right. I'm the only person that can actually change the code, they'd have to come to me. Right. Um, and around that time is when I discovered WordPress, which is around, uh, at least the company itself started in 2005. And so this must've been like 2006 or so when I first stumbled on it. Mm-hmm. And it was just an instant click where I realized like, oh, I don't have to you know, sit here and literally change every little detail. Right. Right. Instead, I can create a, a theme or a system for a client and, 
or a customer and have it so that they can make the changes on their own. And then I can just focus on the cool part, which is making the site look cool, making it, you know, functional, making sure that it works on all the different screens and all that stuff. And so, um, you know, once I had that realization, that's, that's really what, what drew me to it. Um, and just to speak to, to the, the power that comes with it, it's just, it's, it's really interesting because I think a lot of it has to do with, uh, how the software started, which, um, comes down to it being it was an open source uh, software, which means that literally anybody can contribute to it. It's not like a, an Adobe Photoshop where if you want to, if you're working in Photoshop and you find something that doesn't, you know, look right or or you know, some type of functionality that makes it difficult for you to to, to do something that you want to do, you have to call. You have to, or not call, but, you know, reach out to their support team or whatever, and maybe they'll fix that or, you know, take in your change. Whereas with WordPress, you can just make the change yourself present it to the wider community and if other people look at that and just like hey i didn't even notice that that was a thing that i wanted uh, i like this thing too you'll get a bunch of thumbs up or a lot of people who agree with you know your suggestion on how to improve it then it gets adopted and baked into the system for everybody else who uses wordpress and it's just awesome. like a cyclical thing that has created a uh, just a, a huge community of people who you know are uh, just into making the software work better faster and more reliably for the people who, uh, you know, run businesses on it or, you know, mm -hmm. even just the visitors who visit the site, you know, um, all of that stuff gets counted in. And because it's not like a proprietary software where you have to, where it's like a fixed thing, right. Right. Um, it just allows it to be that much more flexible. Um, it does kind of slow things down sometimes, like we're not as agile as say like a Squarespace may be, right. but overall the, the longstanding arc of it, you know, has led to us powering i think up to now we're at about like 34 35 percent of the internet is powered wow. by wordpress you know like wow. that's millions and millions of sites you that's know that are crazy. all powered by this one little piece of software um and nobody's catching up with that yeah. <laughs> you know that ain't right. soon, at least. Nah. and so it's just really really uh you know, just interesting to work on stuff like that the last project that i did um that you know really went out pretty wide was uh 2019 mm -hmm. uh, we released a new version of wordpress um and every time or for most new versions or like big releases that we do um, will include a, a, a default theme that comes with it that, you know, shows off the latest and greatest of WordPress mm -hmm. so that customers can kind of see how, you know, all the new things that, you know, it may, not, it may offer in those new versions. Sure. And in 2019, I uh, uh, was one of the leads for the 2019 theme, which is the default thing that came with that version of WordPress. Mm -hmm. And literally as soon as it was released, all 33% of those websites, uh, if they decided to upgrade to this latest version, they're using something that I designed and helped uh, to develop, wow. you know, and it's just like literally millions and millions of sites. And so that type of impact is just the type of thing that like, it's rare to be able to, to work on something that touches that many people, you know, yeah. all at once, you know, from yeah. my little room <laughs> that, you know, that yeah. I happen to work in. And so it's just a really, really interesting dynamic and, and space to, to work in. And, uh, you know, um, yeah, I just enjoyed it a lot, especially for that, for that reason. That's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. And, and what's significant too, um, you know, as, as a black man growing up, um, in Prince George's County, you know, um, oftentimes we think the path to success, uh, is through entertainment, whether it's sports, um, music, all of these different things. And obviously you've touched those things too, but to like, I can't imagine, like us as children, like, you know, hearing from somebody who looks like us and from the same background, hey, uh, maybe one day you could grow up, design, like come up with these different templates and work with this company mm -hmm. that's uh, highly influential in terms of what's happening on the internet. And you're going to design something that literally millions of people are going to adopt. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, that's amazing, bro. I was already <laughs> proud to know you, but like, man, you know, you know what I'm saying? You you epitomize the hashtag, my friends are dope. You know what I mean? So, so yeah, dope, man. man. It's just, I'm just, just to double down on that. It's just, yeah, it's just amazing. Like I'm surprised myself. Like it's literally wasn't a thing I set out to do. I literally yeah. just kind of followed the things that I was interested in and I kind yeah. of, you know, allowed myself to be open to what those things might be as yeah. opposed to just kind of, you know, looking at what you see on TV and trying to replicate that. Cause that's, not that it's easy to do, it's difficult to do that as well. Sure. But for me, I just found that, you know, it was just more space to kind of explore and find, you know, those little niches that, you know, you never know what things are going to turn into, you know, big, huge, you know, impactful projects or whatever. Mm. Um, and so just kind of going with, you know, at least for me, going with my intuition and just kind of following those things. Just like, oh, this is just on its face fun. 
and I like doing it. I'm gonna just go with that, you know, and, and uh, the money aside, the money will come, you know, especially with, you know, obviously not having those <laughs> the, uh, uh, college uh, tuition uh, yeah. things uh, coming back to, <laughs> right. you know, to, right. to distract me from that has allowed some of that to happen, but still at the root of it is just kind of being able to, you know, use, you know, what I know that I like and enjoy to drive the things that, you know, I, I allow myself to be around and it's the spaces that I try to, you know, push in and do interesting things in. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, you uh, you speak on behalf of not only, um, you have spoken on behalf of not only the company that you work for, but you've also spoken to, um, Stan had mentioned earlier, you know, about, you know, talking to young people. You've, you've spoken for... Um, to Girls Who Code and other mm-hmm. organizations to basically, you know, showing your way of giving back to the community and letting um, particularly students of color to see like, hey, this can be you. This is this is another avenue that is available to you. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah, sure. Sure. Like that's that's one of those things that I don't especially like as I get older, it's one of the things that I don't really or hadn't before realized how impactful it can be just to see somebody doing something that you didn't know uh, could do it when they look like you, (laughs) you know, like, like we, like, again, like you said, you see it all the time with, you know, with the entertainment related things, but, you know, uh, there's just so many little random, you know, kind of, you know, unexpected things that you can be doing in the world that have a huge impact. And when you don't know that somebody that looks like you is doing that type of thing, you just take it for granted and you just kind of assume or, you know, don't really kind of consider that, Hey, maybe you could do that same thing too, or something, you know, totally undiscovered yet. You know, that there's so many different avenues, like it's a very complex, you know, intricate world that we live in. And if we just limited ourselves to the things that we let the TV or the internet or the Instagram tell us, then we're kind of missing out on the actual opportunities that exist out there. Like Mm. the things that you do, you know, with uh, next to the person that's right next to you that can see and touch you end up affecting them way more than the thing that, you know, you may put up on Instagram where there's like thousands of other things that are just kind of clutter the experience. And so when it comes to, you know, like, like, you know, some of the speaking things that I've done um, and, and just different ways of like giving back, like that's usually where I'm, what I'm trying to get at, you know, is that, you know, just having somebody physically tangible there, you know, to kind of show that, you know, hey, this is a thing that a real person did. It wasn't like a computer program or some random person mm-hmm. that you don't, you know, have a connection to that, that that makes some of this stuff happen. You know, it can literally be you, you know, right. and, and why not let it be you, you know, and, right. and, and, and it just kind of is a thing that I know, you know, coming up, it didn't, I didn't see it as much as I, I wish I had, you know, it definitely would have, sure. I think, you know, even pushed me further, you know, and so one of the things that, you know, I, I try to, you know, just keep in the back of my head is just, re, you know, reminding myself that, yes, it's great that you're, you know, contributing and doing all this other stuff, but, you know, you're not going to be able to do it for forever, you know, and it's at some right. point it's good, right, you know, at any point it's good to just kind of, you know, make sure that there's folks coming up behind you that, you know, have that same drive and that same inspiration to just kind of keep it going so that this, you know, isn't just a thing that, you know, we expect, you know, one particular type of group to do. Anybody can do it and, and, and be amazing at it. Uh, That's beautiful. You spent a considerable amount of your career as a freelancer. What was it like for you doing that? Because, you know, being in New York, the pressures, like you said, paying rent, you know, not knowing necessarily mm-hmm. where the next check is coming. Mm-hmm. Um, wh- two parts. So two questions. What was that like in general? And then what is it that you know now that you wish you knew mm-hmm. back then? Mm-hmm. Those are two good ones. Um, so for the first one, it was... Again, another thing that I just kind of stumbled into when it came to freelancing. Um, uh, when I first got out of school, like I mentioned, I was, you know, I did a little bit of it in college. And then afterwards, when I discovered WordPress, it just became more of a thing, uh, you know, for me to kind of spend my time on. But I was also juggling uh, just design work and like uh, graphic design as a as a freelance thing where I would, you know, kind of come across folks who, you know, needed various services, whether it's logo design, uh, you know, might be like a, a spread or something, or, you know, even actually done some fashion stuff here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just one of the things that I think just being in New York and being around people, um, you know, who are other creatives or, or, or just, you know, uh, business owners just kind of exposed me to that need. And it made me want to, uh, you know, just be better at, at just, especially when it came to design, just, just getting better and, and finding clients that, you know, uh, worked well with the skill set that I had. Um, and so, yeah, it was, for the most part, it was, it was initially a struggle just because it was kind of a whim. I didn't really know, you know, what it 
was to run a business or to like, you know, you know, do contracts or invoices or any of that type of stuff. It was very much just kind of like, you know, uh, figuring out as I went along. And in the beginning, I would totally screw myself over without even knowing it. <laughs> and this would happen multiple times where, you know, I, I wouldn't take the time to put the business first and instead go with the hype of whatever client I might be working with, which all, almost always led to, you know, either not getting paid on time or not getting paid on, at all. And they have to work already and they're running, running the town with it. Right. And um, once I started to, once I noticed that that was happening, you know, and happening regularly, it's just like, all right, what am I doing wrong? You know, how can I make it so that, you know, this is something that, you know, actually works in my favor, favor and I get to work with, you know, uh, you know, clients that, you know, uh, I'd like to work with. And so, um, some of it was, you know, just general, you know, internet research. Um, there were a few books that I'm probably not going to be able to pull out of my brain at the moment right now um, that I relied on. Um, but the, some of the keys were just kind of like um, looking at how other folks did it and finding like general templates on, you know, contracts and especially like like invoicing and just kind of uh, setting up a scope of work so that you kind of can put on paper, you know, what exactly you're going to deliver you know, when funds are going to, you know, come, like, you know, like the, the schedule on when payments should come in and then just kind of establishing the business part of it first, you know, because right. for me, as a, again, starting as an artist, I just want to create, you know, right. and so if yeah. I just leave with that, oftentimes the client gets what they need before I get what I need out of, out of the relationship. And that just, you know, if you, if you do it in that structure where you put the art first, you're likely to just kind of get taken advantage of. And so once I realized that, you know, putting the business part of it um, first um, allowed me to first off, you know, manage the amount of work that I was doing on any given pro project where mm -hmm. I wasn't just kind of working blindly. I had a set of constraints that I was working uh, within and then also using that to uh, ultimately get more money. You know, yeah. um, when I knew that there were constraints, it means that if the client wanted to break those constraints or get asked for more, not get to charge for more, you know? And so it ultimately led for me both, you know, getting more work, you know, getting better work with better clients and uh, just, you know, uh, you know, producing more. And so it, I did that for a good overall about 10 years, I want to say. Um, another side of the business was also um, uh, selling WordPress themes, which was an interesting thing that I also just kind of stumbled into. Um, the first few I did were just kind of free themes that I distributed on the uh, WordPress.org network. Um, and, uh, those, you know, I just kind of did for fun as an experiment to see how far I could make a WordPress site go as far as, you know, good design and, and clever ways of, of, uh, you know, having a site interaction. And so I uh, just did it for fun, uh, maybe about four or five months after I, you know, submitted them and got them approved and they launched, I just kind of forgot about it and just, uh, just kind of let it live, came back. And I saw that there was one theme that was called, uh, autofocus and that one had like a good maybe 10 20,000 downloads over a span of about four or five months and I was like wait what how when I didn't promote this at all who even right. knows that I made this thing right. it was just one of those things where I just kind of uh just tried something for fun to see what it would do and a bunch of people took a liking to it and so from there I ended up um you know starting a business uh you know basically selling WordPress themes where I would design and distribute them um in my own network where uh you know got direct payments, you know, from people who would just download these products and use them on their own WordPress sites. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was really, really, you know, great for a number of years. Uh, I think it was around, I think around 2012, 2013 or so is, uh, was when I started to shift away from it. Um, a lot of things in the market started to change uh, as far as like, you know, a lot of this was just me doing this work. Um, and I was finding myself competing with full on studios where they had like 10, 20, you know, different, uh, you know, employees and stuff like that, which was a direction that I could have gone in. Um, I also I definitely considered that. Um, but just kind of knowing like my, again, my artist roots um, uh, was just more inclined with the creative side of things. And like running a business is its own job, as I'm sure both of y'all know, <laughs> it's not as, as fun Come on, <laughs> as you Come know, on, sitting and creating as much. And I just kind of knew that about myself. Um, and so I just kind of like, uh, kind of shifted gears a bit at that, that moment. Um, but yeah, it's been, it was very, very lucrative. Um, and I still, you know, do the work that I do now, you know, do very much uh, a similar thing to that. It's just, uh, you know, different constraints, obviously within WordPress. Um, but uh but yeah a lot of what i you know focus on revolves around like themes and how people can use wordpress to do really cool and interesting things with it awesome so 
as far as projects that you've worked on, you've worked on some with some notable companies and individuals, um, Subtraction.com. You've worked with future guest uh, Natural with his AllBurgundy.com website. Um, mm-hmm. I believe you worked with OK Player and Quirky. Mm-hmm. What are some? Mo- uh, what are your most memorable clients or projects oh, that you have worked on? Yeah, there's a lot of them. Um, yeah, I've done a lot of stuff. Like you mentioned, with like OK Player, I still do. Um, uh, you know, like a lot of design and logo work um, for uh, the most recent one was for a company called uh, You Speaks, um, which is a company based in South Africa, uh, not South Africa, San Francisco, San Francisco um, in Oakland, I believe. Uh, and um, that one was a really fun project. Uh, what else? I did some work with Kanye West a few years back. Um, uh, Questlove. Um Lots of different ones that uh, some of them. It's, it's it's a lot of a lot of the projects that have come happened over the years have been kind of. It's just been interesting how they find their way to my desk. Right, <laughs> like, right. um, like kind of again, a lot of what I do happens to just kind of be going on a whim. Um, where one moment, um, where I was in uh, San Francisco for a WordPress conference that I was speaking at. Um, and I just happened to meet a bunch of people I was out there. You take business cards, like any conference you end up going to, you just mm-hmm. really never know who you're actually meeting, even though you might have a conversation with them, they might tell you what you do. It's right. so many of them happen at the same time that it doesn't really register until later when those folks start reaching out. And so mm-hmm. uh, one of those instances was was how that uh, Kanye West project came about, where this was around the time when he was doing uh, my beautiful, twisted, uh, dark, dark fantasy man, album, yeah. and they were looking to... Uh, just re redo uh, his site to make it more of like an art gallery online, which as I'm sure, you know, Kanye is super deep yeah. into, uh, you know, into fine art and stuff like that. And so at the time, uh, it just kind of randomly fell on my lap. As soon as it, it did, like everything stopped. I'm like, Oh, I need to kill this project. This thing is going to be <laughs> yeah. the best thing I've ever done in my life. Um, <laughs> and it was, it was a really great experience. Like I worked with um, a, uh, it was like a agency basically that was based in uh, in San Francisco that was kind of the liaison for the project. Um, but the interesting thing was like, you know, as I did, you know, various, you know, updates and, and things like that, like that work would get shown to, you know, if it wasn't to Virgil Abloh, then, or, uh, then it would go directly to Kanye and hearing their feedback, I'm like, oh, yo, this is it. This is cool. Go with that direction. It was just amazing. But right. the sad piece about it is that this was also around that same time that he he was uh, he had that uh, Matt Lauer interview mm. where his whole <laughs> everything that he was doing at that moment kind of went haywire. And yeah. uh, once that whole PR thing happened, they just kind of shut everything down. And so the site never saw, saw the light of day, which was not, you know, the greatest thing in the world. But it was still just a really, really awesome experience. Um, mm. But uh, but yeah, like that. Uh, I, I found when it comes to, you know, clients and just the, the, the different things that I've worked on over the years, it really just kind of comes down to relationships and mm-hmm. just doing good work for people. Um, that one, you know, led me to, uh, I think it was, was another, uh, uh, Janelle Monet was another mm-hmm. project that I worked on and her uh, production company called Wonderland. Um, and I've worked with them for a number of years on various things. Um, I've done some work with, uh, actually for, um, uh, it was for, it was, there's a photographer that Beyonce used to have, like a personal photographer that she used to have that um, used to travel with her, who sadly uh, passed away a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And to commemorate, you know, kind of the just her work and the spirit that she had, I did a T-shirt um, for her um, that Beyonce ultimately ended up wearing, which was just super cool. I had no idea that was even going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just like a little, you know, graphic thing that I did that was just a really fun, you know, kind of quick project. And you know, maybe a month or two after that, you'll see, um, or there was a moment where like, she was just like walking down New York somewhere wearing a shirt. And I'm just like, Oh, how's this happening? That ended up, uh, you know, kind of happening on, on a, again, a random whim. Um, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, a lot of the people that I've worked with over the years, uh, you know, appreciated my work and then passed that information on to other folks and it's led to more and more you know just good opportunities like that and so yeah, yeah. you mentioned um working on graphic design and, and logo work um you have created also socially um conscious buttons um most recently um like i can't breathe mm-hmm. i even actually before the the current uprising that we're seeing um hands yeah. up don't shoot why is the arts do you think is so important especially now Oh man, this this is just such an odd, odd moment. But I think that is one of those things that, like, um, you know, we have we have our voices, 
and we have our words. Um, but for me, again, what I recognize as a kid is sometimes that creative thing speaks to something different that isn't always, you know, necessarily easy to, to communicate with, with just the words. Sometimes like, you know, everybody knows the statement, like, a, a you know, pictures are worth a thousand words. Or I believe that's yeah. how it goes. Like, I just find that to be true in a lot of ways. And so when it comes to moments like this, you know, figuring out ways to visually represent the things that people feel, the things that they, they want to say, um, and then combining that, you know, with graphics, you know, maybe some type and a, you know, a striking image, I think it just communicates and says and, and, and speaks to people in a way that, you know, uh, sometimes just the voice, just the word um, doesn't. Um, uh, and so for me, that it's just, I just find that interesting. And um, I know that, you know, like, and I've definitely, you know, attended, uh, not in this moment, just because, uh, you know, it's just an odd time. Um, right. But in the past, I've attended multiple, you know, marches and uh, different movements and stuff like that. Um, physically, where I'm actually out there, uh, you know, you know, with the science and everything. Um, and that's necessary. And we definitely need people to do that. Um, and in addition to that, we also need other things that aren't just that, you know, where there's, you know, things that you can bring into other spaces that, you know, maybe aren't a protest, but may influence somebody to think a little bit differently about the circumstance that we find our, ourselves in. Because um, a lot of a lot of what we, you know, deal with isn't, you know, uh, isn't just a thing that happens because of how things are in one community. Everything is connected and the decisions that people make in places that seem totally disconnected oftentimes come back and, you know, reflected in areas where you don't expect them to. And so I know that when it's, you know, when it comes to art and just visually representing things in that way, sometimes the art can make it into to certain rooms and certain spaces where a protest can't, you know? Right. And if I know that going in, it means that, you know, visually, or at least approaching, you know, some of these messages, uh, these messages visually, uh, I, you know, I at least hope that, you know, that one of those messages may be communicated to somebody who, uh, and, and change their uh, their mentality or their approach to a certain scenario. And so, right. Amen. That was beautiful. Yeah. Go ahead, Al. In addition to being a phenomenal artist, graphic designer, coder, you also not. I won't. I won't say dabble. I'm yeah, not going to disrespect you. I won't say that. But yeah. you uh, immerse yourself in um, beat making and producing music. Um, with a group you named the Stuyvesants. Mm -hmm. Talk to us about that. How did that all come to be and what is it that you guys do? Oh man, so the music thing is another one that like at a young age, I you know took a liking to, but just didn't know how I could express myself in it. And kind of going back to, you know, the high school again, being at Suitland and sitting in, room, in rooms with other people who saw things the same way that I did, I just remember sitting in in a room where uh, it actually was Naturel. He shared some music with me that at that time I had never heard before. It was a uh, it was two albums. One of them was uh, the Black Star first album, mm -hmm. classic, and then the other one was uh, this super weird uh, album, uh, Quasimodo, um, which is uh, <laughs> Mad Lib. And um, I had, at that time, you know, I, again, I was in the music already. I was usually just listening to like Timbaland, Swiss Beats, and you know the stuff mm -hmm. that was you know super popular then. Um, but when I heard that, I'm like, wow, this is something totally different. I want to do that. You know, right. I did the, the Swiss stuff was more just for like partying and kind of like, you know, uh, uh, you know, getting into a certain zone or whatever. But right. when I heard that stuff, I'm like, wow, I want to do this, you know. Yeah. And so um, after high school, you know, I went to, you know, getting to New York. And that's where uh, even though me and Stan went to both went to Suitland, we were there yeah. at different times by right. about a year. And so when I got to New York. Again, I was around more and more people who, you know, were seeing things the way that I did. And that's when, you know, uh, that group that we used to be in, UV, yeah. uh, you know, I, that's when I first got introduced to y'all and became a part of it. And it just was just one of those things where I'm like, man, this is just fun to be around folks who hear and see things the same way that I do. And so spent a number of years making music with, you know, with that group. Um, eventually, you know, went on to, you know, doing stuff as a... Uh, as algorithm, um, which is a name I still use mostly just for like, um, uh, like, like more of like the, uh, the publishing aspect of things. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, a lot of the, the beats and stuff I would make at least at that time, like, and this was, you know, like, like right after college was just for like trying to, you know, work with artists and produce things, uh, you know, for people, which was fun, mm -hmm. but, you know, kind of like how the art was where I found it is more of a thing that, you know, kind of a making a something out of nothing. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. once I've made that 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 something, it, for me, it kind of stops in some in some aspects. Where 
that ends up being the end product. And yeah. when it comes to working with artists, you almost kind of, I find I need to collaborate. And when I'm just kind of making beats in a, in a silo and then sharing them, it's tough to get them to land. And so yeah. I kind of got to a point where after doing that for a number of years, I'm like, man, I'm making all these beats, but I'm having no place to really put them out, you know, because um, I'm, I'm relying on, you know, artists to work with to, to, you know, to do stuff. And if they don't see the vision, then it just, the music stops there. And right. I remember sitting in a good friend of mine's Darian Burks, um, who's uh, just a brilliant uh, designer and artist and a record collector. Yeah. Um, he, I remember sitting in his house one day and we were just, he's just playing records. And he was just like, yo, you should, you know, you should take some of these home and make something with them. I was like, yeah, cool. I'll just, you know, cool. I'll just do it. At the time, I was kind of contemplating not even making music anymore, just because I was like, eh, this isn't really going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And once we started doing that, you know, I, I would send stuff back. And um, he's just like, yo, this joint is crazy. Like, I'd never heard anything like this before. Mm-hmm. Here's some other records, you know, take these and do something <laughs> with it. And it just turned into like a cycle where, you know, after about a month or two, you know, we're just like, man, this is, this is something here. I don't know what it is yet, but it's something. Right. And so we just kept working and kept working. We spent basically about a year um, just like collecting these these new sounds that we were we were coming up with. Um, mm-hmm. And along the way, we were trying to figure out like, you know, what we were going to do with it. Um, at the time, um, blogs were still really popular, um, but they weren't really um, like you did have social media, like a Twitter, I think was around and Facebook. But at that time, blogs and like kind of searching the Internet for, you know, good content was the, 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 the mode back then. And right. so he had a site called flower pot. Um, and that was basically where we decided to, uh, you know, put this thing out and it was literally just a blog. It was a thing we spent, you know, a good year on. We didn't tell anybody we were doing it. And we just kind of developed this idea where, you know, initially it was like, we were like a seventies band, you know, called the Stuyvesants. And this is the music that we made, you know, back in the seventies. And we just happened to discover this album and put it out on his 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 blog, which was all about just sharing albums that he actually found in the record store. Right. And so we kind of did it almost like a joke in that way, where it's just like, are right, we gonna make it look like it's something that he found, but it's actually just us. And yeah. from there, it just kind of went viral. Like I had no, I no, again, yeah. no, you know, just doing it on a whim and going with my gut. Um, and it just went viral where like thousands of people started, you know, hitting us up. You know, like, yo, what is this? You know, how can I hear more? You know, what are y'all doing with it? Um, and it just spread around all over the place. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's led to, you know, multiple, uh, you know, albums that we had now have, you know, just in our catalog. Like we've worked with people where I would say <laughs> we've worked with a few people here and there, but more often than not, people end up using our beats uh, mm-hmm. without us knowing, including yeah. like uh, Jaden Smith, uh, Most Def, uh, Camp mm-hmm. Lowe hopped on a couple joints. Like, and it all happens randomly for the most part because it's just right. instrument music, instrumental music that we've uh, given out for free for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, almost the entire way. Uh, we, for the most part, we really only ask for, um, you know, what, what people are willing to give, you know, cause yeah. it's more of a, pi- a passion project for us. Yeah. Um, and I just find that like, um, when it comes to like, even kind of going back to your question before related to, you know, some of the business and things that we've learned along the way, I found that like having a thing that I can work on that doesn't have business constraints mm-hmm. is necessary, you yes. know, because um, there, you know, it's, it's very easy to take something that you do and turn it, I don't say it's easy, but it's, it's common for you to take something that you do and get good at and then turn it into a business and make money off of it. Right. Uh, but for me, I know when I do that, I can still enjoy it somewhat, but the business parts add constraints and they make it mm-hmm. tough to really just kind of flex as an artist and to really just get the, the ideas and the best ideas out. And so, with this project, like we've always, like we've never worked with a label. We've literally done all of it ourselves. Yeah. Um, uh, just because we want to keep that, that aspect of it, of like having that just raw, like inspiration and energy go into it and have it, you know, unconstricted so that you really just get our feeling and what the thing that we hear is what you hear, you know, and even mm-hmm. the way we put out the albums, we literally finish it the night before <laughs> and then right. put it out. There's very little time where we spend it where we like, you know, work out like a lead up or, you know, we may set a date here and there, but if it's not done by then, then we'll just keep pushing it until, you know, we feel like it's done. And literally as soon as it's done, that's when we decide to put it out, you know, so you literally get the the rawest of the raw (laughs) when it comes to that music. And so um, it's just great music. I mean, it's it's standalone. Like you said, you could have, you know, MCs, singers, vocalists, you know, um, use it, but by itself. Yeah, it's amazing. I can honestly say y'all made the first beat tapes that I would play from top to bottom. Wow. Before I heard what y'all were doing, um, that was not something I did where I just threw on instrumentals and just let it rock. 
And I don't know how many times, you know, as a as an educator, um, you know, going into a space where uh, like somebody somebody wanted music, but they wanted background music, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Or um, or we were just in another it was uh, whether it was a get together at our home or whatever. Like how many different spaces what y'all created just worked in yeah um, it's and, a whole vibe it's a whole vibe i even feel like um the artwork like from the first project i can't think of an instance where i've first seen um someone do like the distressed um record cover um thing mm-hmm. but i remember seeing because when did that first project drop it was like what like 2000 so the wild thing is today it is yeah. exactly 10 years. Wow. <laughs> exactly 10 years exactly when it came 10. out. Wow. Um, as of today. And uh, just a quick little side note, we're um, we're going to actually try to get it on vinyl. Um, we're going to nice. do a campaign uh, fairly soon. Uh, we're kind of, you know, figuring out exactly, you know, how to, you know, promote it and get it, get it out. But it's definitely going down, man. We need to get that on wax. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Make sure you uh, make sure you talk to us, man, because, you know, we have a lot of yeah. experience helping people um, make that happen. So. For sure, uh, for sure. Yeah, man. But um, yeah, dude. Like the the cover art and how y'all distressed, uh, how it looked like an old record. Um, honestly, man, I can say y'all are some of the first people I saw doing that. I, it's mm. not to say that y'all were the first, but um, but it wasn't. I don't feel like it was as popular back mm. then when y'all did it as it is now. Like it's a commonplace thing, with, especially with lo-fi hip hop. Um, yeah, yeah, like yeah. you see that a lot, but you know, y'all were some of the first man. And, and you know, it just speaks yeah, to what y'all were doing because you, you know, you're not just working as musicians. You, you both are amazing professional visual artists as well. So the project was just from the t-shirts, the logo to yep, everything, yep. man, all the cover and the different themes that y'all were doing. Um, throughout the the history of this man, um, especially when y'all did volume, was it volume two? Was the no, was it volume two or volume three? Oh, finer things, volume one and two. Yeah, so had, that was uh, fire. like two different covers. Yeah, and then the yeah. one after that, y'all had a cover for every song, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That joint was <laughs> crazy, and they all look like records, like. You know, yeah, I see man. it and was like, yeah, I, like, I know this wasn't a record, but it feels like it was a record. <laughs> <laughs> like, when I would see the art, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah I'm man. so happy to hear, you know, just that those little subtle details of reaching folks, man. Like, yeah. really appreciate that. Because yeah. it's, it's definitely a thing that we we think about. Like, we're just, we're kind of nerds about it, you know? Like, that's yeah. the stuff we pay attention to when we look at other people's music. And so when we did this, we just wanted to do everything as, as awesomely as possible. And for the distressing thing, I can't let that one slide without shouting out my homie, FWMJ, Frank. <laughs> yeah. He hooked us up with that little, you know, subtle little tweak that we did. Because we tried that little distress thing a few different ways before. Yeah. But he hooked it up where, like, that little piece was, was like, essential to making that that cover yeah. become what it was. Um, and then also shouts to uh, to uh, Brandon King, who shot that that photography, which he mm. shot. Um, on his own like we we just happened to find that in his portfolio yeah. and we're just like yo that's the cover um he don't right. even know it but that's the cover <laughs> and so we reached out to him and he was happy to share it with us um for the project and so um yeah yeah man it's, it was it was a, a legendary thing for us and it's it's a thing that we you know still do now like we still you yeah. know constantly you know exploring new sounds and figuring out you know where to to take the you know the project um and i think too especially with all the things that are going on now like we want to try to figure out you know um not how to capitalize on it, but how to mm-hmm. get our music and make our music like feel like part of the moment and to push things forward. You know what I mean? And so yeah. we're we're working on, uh, or you know, we're going to start working on you know some some ideas to to start to to you know kind of capture that as well. But uh, but yeah, man, appreciate all of that that yeah, uh, feedback, awesome. man. Of course, man. Yeah, great. I'm looking <laughs> I'm looking forward to whatever y'all do next, man. You know, um, I mean, I would say to a lot of folks. Uh, so for those listening who don't know. Um, you know, I've worked with Al for years. Um, a good amount of my solo work has been produced by this man. Um, and a few of the projects have uh, had actual Stuyvesant um, beats on it. Um, yeah, and so, man. yeah, man, like, you know, been an Algorithm fan forever. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, man. So, all the you know, way back. Yo. I think he yeah. was probably, probably the first person that I actually got something recorded with and put out mm-hmm. ever. Yeah. Like, because I know me, me and Elle had done some stuff, but most of it was just, you know, we record yeah. it, put it on a cassette, and then that's it, <laughs> you right, know? Right. But you were the first person to, like, really get something out and, like, to the public and to the masses, man, and yeah. forever grateful for it. 
And nah, man, I'm, listen, my, my work is better because of it. So, <laughs> you know, so thank you. I appreciate it. And for those that don't know, the, the release that um, was mentioned is um, titled Brooklyn's Finest. That was released in 2010. And mm-hmm. where can folks find that? Can they still get it? Yeah, it's still around for download on uh, basically all the streaming services. You can it's, yeah. it's available, but then we also have it on Bandcamp, um, and you can find links to pretty much everything on thestuyvesence.com. Um, that's just basically like the hub where you can listen to all the albums and get the you know uh, the streaming links and stuff from there as well. And let's talk about the name. So, how did you guys come up with um, Stuyvesants, and how did you come up with Algorithm? Mm, so, Algorithm was a, was a that one came about through uh, my homie Malcolm in high school like this is literally the same conversation that i think after l had like shared that music with me uh, the quasimodo album yeah i was we were sitting in class uh just talking about it and um at that time i had like literally had just started making beats like with some little cheesy kmart program that i that i had <laughs> and um uh, was was playing them for l and uh he was just kind of like just like yo we got come up with a name these joints are dope you know you got to make more and so we just happened to be sitting next to my homie malcolm uh, who also you know was at Sulin and went with me to uh to cooper mm-hmm. um he just was just like yeah you should just call yourself algorithm was on the spot within seconds he came up with that and i was like oh yeah that's it <laughs> i don't right. even think about nothing else <laughs> right. you know and so that's how that one came about um and the stuyvesants we battled with that one for a while because we, we knew what the, the concept we wanted to do but we wasn't sure like you know really what to to name it where yeah. it would feel like the 70s which is what the original concept was about and so um we you know the project was literally started in bed style which is where we live and we just kind of took the you know bed style short for bedford stuyvesant and so once we kind of like uh it was one of those names that we wrote down kind of fairly early in the process explored a bunch of different ones then reviewed what we had you know from the beginning it's like wait a minute that one actually is kind of the one (laughs) and so we ended up landing on that and uh yeah and then uh, the the logo uh darian uh found some little random cheap font and Mm -hmm. uh just happened to like see that vision for it and and made that that part of it happen um and uh yeah yeah like even the graphics like the, uh, there was a shirt we did um sure, for the sty that we mm-hmm. you know just uh-huh. kind of shout out the neighborhood that we yep. made it in um that you know uh you know just basically just says the sty on it and he did like a like a handwritten thing uh for that to make that happen um and so yeah it was just like a lot of little little subtle details that we were just all trying to make as awesome as possible <laughs> yeah that was a perfect storm man it came together beautifully yeah that name always um because you know we we also lived in um bed yep. and so that always resonated with us because of course it was the neighborhood but it also speaks to the time that we were there because mm-hmm. for those of us who were in new york in the 2000s up to 2000 you know let's say 15 or so new york Br- brooklyn specifically was definitely going through some significant changes. Yeah, yes. And so for yes. those of us who were there before the big boom happened, mm-hmm. um, it's bed is the best place of old New York meets new New York. Yeah. And yes, so that's why Stuyv- the Stuyvesants is always resonate because your sound is just like that. It's a throwback to the 70s, yeah. but still yeah. very much new. Yeah. And providing some great details. So yeah, kudos that's, to y'all. that all went into it. Like we wanted to, like there's even some songs, like, you know, you can't take the Caribbean out of out of Best Eye either, no, you know. Right. So there's a yeah. couple of songs in there where that's what we sampled, you know. Like right. it was just some like I think I don't remember the name of the artist now, um, but like we made sure to like try to capture all yeah. of those little subtle moments, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Of little you know subtle details like the records that we sampled, mm-hmm. the drums we used, like everything just had like a thought that went into it. We're just like, all right, we're gonna make this make sense at every point possible. So when it comes out, it feels like something, you know what yeah. I mean? Um, because otherwise, you know. You can always just find a kick in a snare somewhere and make it make right. it work. Right. But with this, we just wanted to like put that extra that extra funk in it. You know what I mean? To make it make it feel like something. Yeah, dude, panty dropper. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> yeah, that's the jam. That joint. <laughs> yeah, panty yeah. dropper beat. <laughs> <laughs> it is a good song. Uh, man, man, it's fire. <laughs> yeah, that whole yeah, project, man. man, top to bottom, man. Thanks, man. man. Thanks. So, um, I want you to name three key resources that have contributed to your success. Mm. And why were they helpful to you? Mm, okay. Um, I want to say I'm definitely going to put Suitland on that list because mm-hmm. they were the ones that introduced Suitland, I mean, sorry, uh, Cooper Union to my family mm-hmm. as an option, you know. Um, and they were the ones or the, the teachers and the, that program that was there was what kind of got me on to pursuing my own success in that way through mm-hmm. art and, and creativity. And so 
that was was definitely vital. Um, Got to put uh, you know WordPress on there just because it's I've, it's just been just next to me <laughs> for so many years now. You know, uh, both it's it's uh, it, you know in its existence as an open source platform, and you know how it allowed me to you know expand my business and meet all types of people and work with you know amazing clients and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, for the last one, it's interesting. I'm a hmm. I'm going to go with Reason, which is the software that I use yeah. to make music. Yeah. Um, just because that was another thing that happened around the same time of kind of that transition from high school into college, where that software, to me, um, like there were other platforms that, you know, that a lot of folks use now, where, uh, and even then, that were, you know, typical software where, you know, it's just kind of, you know, like an interface and you use and you learn an interface to make your music. But the thing with Reason that, made it stand out is that at the time I didn't have enough money to really spend money on hardware. Um, cause I was just in college, you know, trying to make things work. But with reason it was designed to look like hardware, you know, where it has the wires, it has like the modules and things that yeah. you expect to see in a real studio. And that type of thinking just opened me up to, you know, just getting better and better at music. Um, and, and just making it feel like more of a real thing. Like when I tried some other, you know, programs and stuff, uh, just because they didn't look like, you know, what I would typically put my hands on, it was right. tough to like pick them up and, and get good at them. And so I'm gonna give it to that. But um, yeah, I may think on that one and, uh, you know, have another answer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. And then I was gonna say, lastly, um, not only because of the time that we're in, but in general, like, one of the things I've I've constantly asked our guests is how do they make space for self care? You know, one being not only, you know, being a black man, but being a black man in America, being an Mm -hmm. artist who, you know, and some might think is an unconventional career. Right. And then just, you know, now as a husband and soon to be father, Mm -hmm. like there's a lot weighing, you know, as far as outside influences or or challenges. What do Mm -hmm. you do to um, make space for your mental health? Uh, that's a, such an excellent question. Um, I don't know if I've figured out the way around it, just because things have been heavy in ways that I've never been or you know, experienced before. Um, I will say that I definitely, you know, uh, like a lot of the work I do is on the computer, it's in front of a screen, it's on the phone. Just stepping off of that is is hard for me to do just because that's where I'm used to being at most of the time. But doing that is always good, you know, Um, and just kind of clearing my space, like, um, or my, by uh, uh, clearing my focus, you know, away Mm -hmm. from the things that are constantly kind of feeding me information, just allows me to kind of, you know, create a balance there where, um, you know, I'm not just focused on, you know, how I need to respond or what thing I need to do next. Sometimes you just need to sit and kind of like, slow time down is how I like to to think about it. You know, when you're not, you know, uh, thinking about like what's the next thing you're going to do or what thing, the next thing you need to consume, there's a, there's a moment there where, you know, you can kind of, kind of capture that time. Um, it's, it's similar to like what, you know, folks use meditation for where, you know, it's about kind of like, uh, uh, controlling your thoughts and, and kind of even not thinking, you know, it's kind of where you kind of are able to create that balance. It's very, very difficult. I have definitely not mastered it. But in the pursuit of it, um, you end up kind of finding spaces and places to kind of offload some of that pressure, you know, because um, this is definitely a wild time to right now. So much going on and so many, you know, different, you know, things that are being discussed that like I'm very passionate about. But I know if I just only focus on that, I'm just going to burn out. And I've, I've, yeah. had, I've actually it's happened, <laughs> you know, already a few times um, just just consuming and taking in too much information. And so just kind of setting back, like the world is still going to be there. You know, you can turn it off. Um, uh, I found that, you know, especially in recent years before some of this, um, I've kind of fell off of just the, the straight drawing in the sketchbook thing, which used to be like a daily app, uh, you know, daily thing that I used to do. Um, and I found that like that's been a way to kind of like just kind of shut out everything else and then just focus on like where this, you know, pencil is going to go next on the paper. It's just such a simple act that, you know, allows me to, to just kind of clear out the room and the, and the space that, you know, is just going, because it's going to be there when I come back, you know, and I put the pencil down and open up the, the you know, Instagram, all that stuff is still going to be there. Right. But, uh, you know, just not focusing on it for a while, for a while is definitely helpful. Absolutely. 
Well, thank you so much, yeah, Al. This we appreciate been... you, man. Oh, oh, man, I appreciate y'all for the opportunity to speak to folks and uh, just to kind of get uh, some of my story out there. Like, I think especially at this time, it's just it's what we need. We need yeah. more, you know, uh, just just general, you know, perspectives on the experience of black folks, you know, mm-hmm. in this country, because yeah. it's not all what, you know, I think people want us to believe that it is. You know, a lot Absolutely. of what we see on the TV, on the, on, you know, on the social media is just is regurgitating the same story over and over again. Yeah. But we don't actually live that. You know what I mean? That's just what the, the system wants us to believe, you know. Absolutely. And so I think this type of space and what y'all are doing with this is just just great. And so I'm, I'm excited to see where y'all go with it and watch it grow. Thank you, so you, you Thank you, brother. We appreciate that, man. Thanks for listening to Artistry, where art meets industry. This podcast has been brought to you by Substantial Art and Music. For more information, please visit www.subartmusic.com. You can also follow us on social media at Subart Music. We'll see you soon, but talk to you soon. Peace.